Hello. Welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we talk about scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. I'm Christian Bassey. I'm Cody Green. And I'm Mike Wade. We got a bunch of stuff on the docket tonight. I'm not sure we're going to make it through everything, but we might as well just like kind of go at it. And if we, you know, exceed the two hour mark, <laughs> if we can pull up and postpone some when, stuff. When? <laughs> when we exactly. <laughs> um, first up, though, was the, uh, the not to be named because it got NDAs in place, but we did a, um, a kind of fancy lift. Um, and what do you mean? It was just a floor pocket. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was just pockets. two floor pockets. Oh, just... oh, yeah, just two floor pockets. Right. It's not just one floor pocket. <laughs> right. Well, initially, they, initially the hope was it would just be one floor pocket. It was like, like we want a floor pocket, and it just needs to hold a five-foot circular platform on it. And uh, that's way too big for the floor pocket. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, oh, we'll do two floor pockets. And there was a brief conversation of, well, not even a brief, but we had we had some we deliberated a bit about do we want to do floor pockets or should we move to something kind of like floor pocket next? Because the floor pocket is great as it is. We have some things that we would love to change about it long term. Um but this all came about while we were all of us out at an installation over the summer. And so we took like the initial like gut check meeting about what we were going to do like in the hotel lobby. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. We were like up to our ears in custom gear and loading in custom gear and lots of custom things. And we we're like, you guys wanted to redesign a lift for another custom gig for right. like a somewhat permanent install. We're like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think at that point, it really was two floor pockets, just like with right. a platform between them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we started out with, right? Or didn't we land there with all of our computers and iPads and thinking? We're yes. like, totally two with one platform. Yeah, because like, yeah, I think it was, was it a f five foot six or six foot originally? I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. something like, you're right. Yeah, I said five foot, but I think you're right. It was at least five and a half feet. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, oh, it's, yeah. We'll just be a little bit wide and that'll be fine. And then I think that about, I don't know, shortly after that meeting, meeting, if you want to call it, it became not that. <laughs> I think right. maybe less than 24 hours. I think it was less than 24 hours, right? Because then we got like more details about what the steel was in the space. And I think you, Cody, were the one that was like, we can't fit this in like this. We have to like kind of nest the motors into each yeah. other. To be able to get the columns of the floor pockets to fit within the ground plan of the steel and yeah 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 i think i went back so i think that evening i just went up and just like smashed them together <laughs> i was like oh that's not gonna work because they've got these beams and the concrete hole that they're gonna have is not wide enough between the concrete and the steel for us to actually fit two floor pockets end to end um and so pretty quickly it became like, all right, it's not, it's like floor pocket inspired. It's not floor pocket. Right. Yeah. I think it was, I think at the time it also had a pretty aggressive, uh, load in schedule considering when we were going to leave California and when they wanted the lift in the building, like it was supposed to install before Thanksgiving, I think originally, originally. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. yeah. So it was like going to have to be turn and burn 
yeah. uh, like really fast. Um, Which is part of the reason why we were trying to stick with floor pockets. Like we'll minimize the design time and stick with what we know, not change everything. But yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, we were like, yeah, it'll be floor pockets and it'll be end to end, but there'll be a little bit of nesting. And then as we went and went and went, it was like, well, actually there's a lot of nesting because it's a circular (laughs) platform (laughs) and you have to like get outside of the footprint of the circle, the five foot six diameter circle with a little extra if you can. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, now these motors are like almost completely nested inside of each other. (laughs) And these like long extension arms with like a, you know, big cantilevered shaft and like changing the PT arrangement pretty drastically just to get the pinions out and over to the racks. Uh, with even still like only like an inch on either side of like each floor pocket post uh, until concrete. And then like, I don't know, pretty much on size for where the, the mod truss is like with the outer diameter of the uh, surround uh, of the hole that we had to get into. So it was just like only just fit barely (laughs) in the end. Uh, and it was smaller on site than drawn. Uh, well, we can get there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't really just two floor pockets. It was like kind of floor pocket motors. and Yeah. It was two five-horsepower motors, two rack and pinions, one platform to house them both. Mm-hmm. But then I think also by the Midway through, at least, there was, it was a, at least in my mind, I think in your mind too, right? A little bit of a question mark of like, wait, if we were going to do this again, like, and we, even if we're going to stick with rack and pinion, which in a self-motivated platform, which is not a given, because I think that's one of the things we'd really like to change about the floor pocket. But like, why was it two five horse? <laughs> you know, <at> the point, <laughs> it could have just yeah. been one ten now, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because that was also part of the idea was, yes, we know we're going to have to have this. It's going for a pretty big client. And, you know, we know this is going to have to be engineer, re-engineer stamped from McLaren and, like, going to have to be reevaluated. But if we can just keep it to be, like, two floor pockets, hopefully it's just, you know, a little bit of structure analysis on, like, you know, the concrete connections and then a little analysis on the plot, the new updated platform. Uh, and that turned out to totally not be true either. But the idea there was that <laughs> it would be cheaper and faster and easier for us to just, you know, kind of send them two floor pockets and that'll be it. Uh, but one plus one did not equal two. It, it, it more was like five because it was like a full design cycle and a huge giant back and forth with them about the load. Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of time ended up going into the design. And I mean, it was interspersed with other stuff too, but like you guys ended up working on the design for a couple of months. Yeah. Pick it up and put it down and pick it up and put it down. And I did a bunch and then Harry took over some and then gave some back and like, it just, yeah. And November load in first week of November load in became okay. First week of December. Okay, last week of December, 
okay no first week of january oh no end of january like yeah just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing um from other uh not because of us no yeah no it was pretty much put together before i mean it was totally put together before christmas certainly yeah but and actually the thing went in the shop i think went together pretty well right i mean you guys were doing it i was not yeah, yeah, I think all in all it went together pretty well. I think we fought, I mean, the things that we fight with floor pockets at, in production, we fought with the double, like, which kind of had to be, since the two posts were across from each other, the thing that we often fight is the mod trust tolerancing, both in, like, squareness and size, and, like, managing the seams of, like, the stacked mod trust pieces, um, and getting the racks to be really smooth and the camera rollers not to be really bumpy when you roll over it and um and also just plumbness of the the columns um which normally you can kind of cheat a bit because there's just one of them and if it's like kicked back a little bit you can kind of make it up in the brackets attaching the platform or just you know level the platform and you're fine but when there's two of them attached to one platform then you, you got to actually do something about it. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you have some problems with, like, getting the the motor totally engaged so that the rack, the pinion is, you know, perfectly running on the rack and all the alignments through the PT all line up well, like, you can kind of just, like, shift things around. But this time, you know, everything you gave you know, you took from the other side. So it was a big back and forth of, you know, shim this level, take check the level, now run it. Oh, nope, now we have that problem on the right side. You know, go back to the left side, take a little back. Like, um, But all in all, it, it did go together fairly smoothly. Um, yeah, there weren't like massive reworks, but it, it did take some finesse. I think the only thing that, yeah, we, we screwed around with the pantograph for the, cable a bit the cable and, management yeah. yeah cable management curse you <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we didn't go with a bucket this time we designed this fancy uh pantograph thing yeah should have stuck with the bucket <laughs> <laughs> there were I, uh, that was still the out i think right like the, <laughs> up until the last moments it was like we can always put the bucket in yeah Yes, there was some very comical moments. Well, I don't know if comical. Tense, but comical <laughs> moments between Harry, myself, and I think, and Breezy about the cable management because we couldn't get enough travel out of it. So then there was, uh, you know, discussion. Like, we couldn't get down far enough because uh, the cable management was in the way and we were hitting the crush bumpers and we were, you know, running into problems. And <laughs> there was just, like, a moment of, like, for this particular install, there happened to be like a three foot by three foot by five foot deep hole, um, just dead center underneath where the lift is. That's how they fixed the cable management the last time. <laughs> <laughs> so my initial, like from the original sketches for the idea of it was just like, all right, we're just going to stick up, you know, a bucket in the hole, you know, bundle the cables, it'll land, come in, it'll be fine. Um, and at some point we went away from that, 
during the design process. Uh, and Harry designed a pretty cool panograph. But it did take quite a bit of finesse to get it right and like getting the lengths right and, you know, trimming it down to be small enough to fit inside the footprint of the platform and have enough like extra cable bend so that the cables weren't like destroying themselves as it traveled. Right, right, right. Like enough, yeah, enough uh, yeah. relief on that cable bend. Yeah, because they were pretty yeah. tight, I remember, at the beginning. And then you guys loosened yeah. them up a lot. Yeah. Um, yes, there was one somewhat tense conversation between Harry and I, like on a, fr maybe it was Thursday or Friday <laughs> before I was supposed to leave to go back home for the holidays. It was like, when it wasn't working, where I was just like, I don't know, we can order a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry asked like, well, when are we going to start the engineering for the bucket? <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I don't think we will. <laughs> I think it'll be a bucket. Uh, and uh yeah to his credit i went away and uh for the holidays and it worked on site and so it did almost get torn off uh in transit because it was the very most bottom thing that was like a single piece of half unistrut or is it full unistrut is it half unistrut that went across the full like six foot span of the between the two columns uh and I think someone at some point tried to uh, use that to move the lift. <laughs> to pick it up. <laughs> to pick it up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so you guys, uh, so after that, like you guys did go down. It was you and Harry, right? Installing it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And you got to go to your hometown. To my hometown. Vegas. Vegas. Did you get your burrito from the place I don't remember that you talked about that one time? Oh, we did. We did go to Filipinos a couple times. I took Harry. That's the one that like it caused some one of your friends to get a tattoo of your name, right? It, yeah, that is true. That, <laughs> yeah. The burrito's so good, you'll get my initials on you. Like I'll buy you this eight dollar burrito, but you got to get a tattoo. Oh, Four dollar. I was out <laughs> for a giant burrito and a large horchata for like under eight dollars. <laughs> um, yeah, I took. Took Harry there, uh, and that was great. Uh, and then I hit in and out. Harry doesn't eat meat besides fish, so I would escape every so often to go hit places that uh, were more meat-centric. Uh, but yeah, good food. Saw my fam, which was nice. So how did the install go? Install, I think, it, all in all, install went quite well. Uh, I think the floor pocket just, you know, in concept of like the self-climbing platform, since we sent the entire platform and like base columns all together, like it was heavy and kind of hard to deal with, but like. But once it's know, landed, it's landed, right? It's landed. Yeah. So we had to tip it up on its side in the parking lot with some span sets and some floor pockets or oh, some floor pockets, the floor pocket and uh, some forklifts, span sets wrenching it around. And we got some carts of similar size not two of the same dollies <laughs> but just mm -hmm. somewhat similar one had a stronger frame they were almost the same height but one had a really thick frame uh, the other one has thinner frame but one just had 
the thin frame had big wheels that rolled really nicely and the one with the giant frame didn't flex as much but had tiny wheels so you know it was really a bit of back and forth there <laughs> um we had to compete with the hotel's uh laundry service we like got it almost all the way into the service elevator and then the laundry chuck showed up and we had to like pull everything out uh so that was um fun and then we did end up getting it like waiting i don't know 10 15 minutes and then went to go do it and then uh the way we had landed the each side onto the carts like the cart stuck out a little farther than the lift and so it wouldn't fit in the elevator so we had to like pull it all the way back out get the fork out uh, move the dollies oh, in again um and uh so that but then once once it was in then went straight to the basement and rolled in the door um and uh yeah and then use some chain motors hung from the grid to flip it flip it down uh and all in all that wasn't that one so bad um the post just kind of plopped right into place you know chain motor a couple folks slamming them on top and like first day we had like lift in the basement with the posts on you know with wrenches like uh with bolts somewhat tight um not fully shimmed out and everything together but like all in all like it just kind of flew in and then the rest of the time was like you know tweaking and making adjustments and making the final connections and things but it goes together quite well yeah on base camp it looked like it was going really fast <laughs> yeah yeah i think like the second day we like stopped through the office uh, at the theater and like all the folks that were on all the calls from the get were like well we saw the lift in there it looks great and we're like yeah i mean it's not wired and we haven't made it move and <laughs> but it did get in the hole and it is just totally assembled so that it's got that going for it um but yeah i think all in all it went in pretty well um the platform getting the circular like the big platform into the hole was more challenging uh because they had already welded in the lip of the stage with the circle in it with like it's like a pretty big like giant welded structure that was kind of like out over the expanse like no real easy way to get on stage on top of it like hands to get it through the hole um and there was not a lot of gap between the size of our platform and the size of the hole um and uh so that was a bit of an adventure uh like it got sent with the ply on it um and when i had seen it last there was discussion of like blowing out a bunch of holes for mounting uh like pick points for like eye bolts and and things to drop it into the hole but none of those things had happened and there was some discussion about whether we could or not do it or not because of the um there was a full i think 316 inch steel uh plate for fr requests in the top and we weren't sure how many holes we could blow in it before it didn't meet the fire code or whatever yeah fire standard uh so i went on team getting that platform into the hole uh harry went on to i think structural connections or something brackets uh 
elsewhere. And, um, and so I did not know that after I had left the shop, holes had been put into it and there was a hardware kit in a bin somewhere. <laughs> that <had my> holes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And so me and team stagehand, like they went and found some like nine foot I beams and some like four by fours and like ratchet strapped to the underside of the platform that had crush bumpers on it. So we couldn't just like grab around the whole thing. Um, but then it made it really wide, and so you couldn't really get it into a hole or anything like and that. And then at some so, comical moment later, like Harry's like, why don't you just use the holes and the hardware kit, the lifting kit? He did. <laughs> was it and I was, or was it already installed? <laughs> it was in all the way after he watched us fucking struggle for a while. <laughs> that is, that's funny. I, I mean, was funny now. Yeah, funny now. <laughs> there was also, yeah, there was a moment where we like used the, there was like our, the, an existing lift in the space. So we used that, they like their apron lift, but that put it about like four feet off the ground from where it needed to end up where like our lift was. It was kind of like two tiers in their basement. And uh, so we got it like halfway to the pit, but then we had to like compete with all the like structure above to like kick it the rest of the way. Um, and one of the kind folks there that's kind of like one of their mean rigging guys came down and just kind of like took over and wanted to like decide how all the rigging should be done kind of like halfway through. And then it became kind of like a rigging by committee sort of like that thing. I think that's usually the best way, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we really want to, it definitely is. Yeah. So, we'll, yeah. We'll do a little doodle poll and I want you guys mm -hmm. to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was probably the most comical of just like classic theater stuff of like oh the the, the guy that's gonna make it all better is, he's 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 about to show up and then it'll be super easy and then everybody just starts piping up their ideas and like meanwhile i was like oh yeah four of us picked it up and put it on the lift at the shop and there was like eight of us that's that's absolutely there. true no we we definitely can't lift this <laughs> that is absolutely true because yeah i remember that moment it was like well let's just all gather around because we had a, kind of a similar we had a, a a small like committee for a moment of like well do we try to get the forklift do we try to do this do we try to do that? It's like how about we just call everyone over we just pick it up and they're like oh that wasn't so bad yeah it didn't even seem that heavy no yeah, the good thing about that little committee that we did was it was still planted firmly on the ground at the time. Right. <laughs> yes. Not in the halfway between the trap and the ground with like two chain motors that were pulling with one rapidly spinning around itself because it was hung upside down. <laughs> Rock and roll style. Rock and roll. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And then. I was like, that was a real fucking pain in the ass. And Harry was like, oh, why didn't you just use the eye bolts? <laughs> <laughs> the what? The what now? He's like, I told you there was eye bolts. And I was like, you definitely didn't. <laughs> <laughs> for the past hour, uh, we've been trying to get this thing in a hole. And if you would have mentioned eye bolts and a holes for eye bolts, that's something I would have picked <laughs> up on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, typical fun load and stuff. Right, right, right. right. Yep. Uh, 
So then you guys got the thing in, and you had to. It was two motors, and it had to like they had to run synchronized, and it was not us doing the control, right? It's an old uh, ecam system, right? Yeah, it's an old ecam system that. Um, yeah, it's like hand. It's it's like t- been picked up and taken apart, and picked up and taken apart a couple different times throughout its life. Um, from like the original installers control cabinets uh there was like that schematic i did see with a bunch of like i think it was around it was run on like 225 horsepower 20 horsepower drive but like originally balder drives are what uh this ended up being they updated them at some point to siemens drives um and some amount of the cabinet to like some new siemens hotness uh which looked like nice stuff, but was kind of like in this very old cabinet that had just like all of the space that used to be between like around the VFDs and between the wire duct rungs and stuff. Someone, some people just as needed, just started just throwing in relays and t- terminal blocks and like free space is free space. Yeah. There was one moment where we couldn't get some limits to work or something. And, um one of the guys we were working with just was like it's like there's a relay thrown somewhere like i can't where the like what the fuck is going on and there was like a bent sheet metal piece that looked like it just had like terminal blocks kind of on it like some d sub mount connectors like panel mounted with some wires running to uh some like panel mount terminal blocks kind of like we used um with the app oh i can't say that <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the architectural patch panels <laughs> yes um and nested underneath those connector that bent piece of sheet metal and connectors was like a series of relays that went to god knows where oh it's uh, hysterical yeah yeah it was just nested all these things so like i don't know Harry and I kind of joked that like commissioning like was uh was kind of just like wiring by like jazz because it was just kind of like out of wire um just kept adding weird things and moving things around trying to make it work uh and that was fun uh to finally get everything all working <laughs> I love that that jazz <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> yeah because like we had a bunch of discussions about how many limits you know are the you know do we need uh independent forward and reverse ultimate limits and because we ours are bonded um like singular common ones signal uh and they're like oh no it's it's too independent we're like okay cool and then we also there's a big discussion about the dc the fast loop switching on the brakes uh and they were like oh yeah no we don't we don't use anything for those and so like we in our test cabinet and also in the j boxes and the motor said like jump those out and then come to find out on site they definitely do (laughs) they They definitely do use it we said we don't what we meant was we do we do i was like cool let me go add all those wires back (laughs) and add those things um but probably not the same people giving those answers during the de- design phase as the people installing it, right? I mean, like, 
probably different. No. Funnily enough, no, it was definitely the same person. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh never mind. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. And like I had pulled up the schematics and we were talking originally in one of the first couple design meetings. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking at this original schematic and it looks like there's definitely fast loop switching and there's uh, only one alt circuit. Uh, and so that's the way I had drawn the schematic and that's how it worked. And then once during one of the handoffs, Harry had taken things on and taken the notes and like some parts of it removed the fast loop switching and added in their wiring and um, went to independent alt, alt uh, wiring. I remember that coming up here in the shop too, a little <laughs> yeah. bit where uh, it was uh, some of the brakes were doing the fast switching and some weren't. Oh, that messes things up. And, mm -hmm. it was, and it wouldn't move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the first time we tried to move and it was like, ee! screeching squealing sadness awful movement and uh then i was like it sounds like a brake's not firing what's going on there and uh, i like checked the wiring in the motor j boxes and in the um the breakout box that was on the platform and i was like yeah all the wires look right everything looks good and like fast loops doing what it should like whatever and uh i think that's when i found out that they're like they had gotten rid of the fast loop switching and Christian was like, Oh yeah, there's definitely no. Yeah. Cause I, cause I built up like the test cabinet thing and I was like, and then I checked that wiring at the same time too. And I was like, yeah, no, this is all looks right. Mm -hmm. No fast loop. And I like looked at the schematic and I was like, Oh yeah, it's not over there on, it is over there. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. It doesn't really matter what either will work. I was going to say, it doesn't really matter if you have it or don't have it. Either one's fine, but you have to be the same. <laughs> like mm -hmm. both the control and the machine need to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you guys had like actually kind of rocked it out and you were looking at coming home even like a day or two early. And then we woke up one morning to a slightly disturbing <laughs> distress call on base camp. <laughs> That yeah. was, was a little, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Things went kind of poorly rather fastly uh, on that, with, on that front. Um, we started doing the sign off and doing the cycle testing and it had been working well and had been running up and down like pretty regularly for the, like, I don't know, three, three or four days. First on our like test cabinet, which was, one VFD for both motors, just split out with some thermal protection, totally open loop, like, you know, very dumb, but like mechanics wise and everything else wise, like it, you know, stayed level and ran really well and no mechanical woes. And then we were probably like two days into having fully handed over the um, system to the integrator folks. Um it was Tate, and right? I don't think it was Tate. wrong. Yeah, 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 I was gonna say. Yeah, I've already fucked it up once. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that part's right. I think. I mean, no. it's like yeah, we were. Yeah, Tate was working on the controls. We were doing the mechanics. I think that's fair to yeah. say. Uh, yeah. So we had handed it all over to Tate, and um, and that had gone pretty okay after we like figured out some of the wiring issues, and there was some a little bit of tuning, kind of like dueling motors, kind of fighting each other, like watching some of the. Um, you know, some of the control signals like in their VFDs, like 
watching one lag behind the other and just trying to like re-level and make sure mechanics were all good but all in all things were pretty good um but then yeah like we started doing the cycle testing which was supposed to be like for part of the sign off uh for us to be getting out of there and uh started as like a kind of small like squealy noise like almost like a bearing noise um like, oh, that doesn't sound good but then as we went on it kind of sounded more like a break um not like intermittently throughout its travel would start to squeal um and but at the time it was it's only one side like trying to figure out is it left or is it right side motor which you know is it happening at like the heavy rail bearing or the because the whole thing's like a giant tuning fork i mean it's like this it's this monolithic like a steel structure that resonates like like a motherfucker right like it, and so yeah. you start getting a squeal like that you're like it's definitely making noise it's like where's it coming from i do not know <laughs> it is the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it was making like three different noises throughout its travel. Like at the bottom, it was like this tinny kind of scratchy noise. And in the middle, it was kind of like a And then at the end, at the top, it was like a kind of like an amplified, more scary version of the womp, womp, womp noise. And I just um, like, in my head, I have this nice pic- image of like you riding the lift and Harry standing there with the <laughs> clipboard trying to get the sign off from the client. <laughs> like, no, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's barely anything. Just, if we get... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a little of that. I mean, I think we were all trying to get around it. And I were trying to get our heads around it for sure. I mean, there was, I literally like the carriage platform of like on the floor pocket that is was two of them but it's more like the original i was like crawled inside between the big circular part of the platform and the, the carriage to listen to it as it went up to try and pinpoint like which points on those connections were there it was yeah and that was that exact moment of him holding the clipboard. <laughs> and i'm literally like not on the lift but like in it <laughs> riding it Oh yeah, there's a great uh, picture of that. I think. Yeah. Oh, I think he took a video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so I was in it, like riding it, trying to, and it's one of those moments that you look back on it and you're like, ah, I could have saved some heartache. There was, I was like, it sounds like it's the break. And at the same time, some of the house folk and Harry were like listening to things and one of the guys who is no he's a smart guy he was very helpful throughout the process but he's like one of the lead mechanical folks on many of the shows in in vegas uh was like it's definitely that top left heavy rail bearing is that first noise and then the second noise is like the camp follower bearing and i was like damn because i'm on it and i think it's the break (laughs) and so like we followed that for probably another two hours before the end of the night of following that other guy's lead of like, he was like, it's definitely those two things. Uh, it turned out to not be either of those things. It was the break. Uh, <laughs> Which is, yeah. So we got like the, um, sorry for the compressor noise in the background, but we got the, I woke up that morning to the, to your note, which was, or to Harry's note, I guess. He posted one note, like we have a problem. <laughs> And it was just like, we chased the problem for like five hours and we don't know what the problem is. Yeah, it was like... It was a, very succinct. It, it was like, there's a terrible noise. Nobody's leaving here. 
we don't know what it is. If yeah. you guys have any ideas, let us know. We'll be up to we'll be up to get on a call with you. Like, and I'm like, I mean, I don't know how you felt, Mike, but my initial reaction was a bit like, motherfucker, I have no idea what that is. I can't even hear anything. Like, I don't even. <laughs> there's no video. There's no nothing. It's like there's an awful noise. Everything's going badly. I yeah. think my initial reaction was like, who the fuck's getting on a plane? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, as I drove, so then I like drove to the shop. And I'm like, I'm thinking through the message, right? And I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta say something because you know, there's a clear request for help, right, from people on site. And I'm like, actually, though, that's probably the break. I mean, that's where what's that's that is where I have gotten fucked the most is on load breaks. And I was harping on this like. Because I had to go down to Baltimore, like take an all night train one night because the theater wouldn't pay for the fucking hotel. So I went down down to Baltimore on an overnight train, walked into the theater and shimmed the brake like one brass shim worth off of its mounting plate um, just to get it like squared back up to the hub. And then it was all fine. And then I turned around and got back on the train and went back home. It was like, and so I was like latched onto that of it not being planar or not being perpendicular to the shaft, which it wasn't what ended up being your problem. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I bet it's the fucking brake. Because when those hubs, like those load brakes, you put a hub on the shaft and the hub is splined and those splines engage friction discs inside of the brake housing. And that friction disc, if it starts rubbing on the splines, like so if that, if as the shaft is rotating, it's like a, out of perpendicular as that turned it's going to scrub back and forth on those friction discs and it sounds horrendous when it does that it's like an awful screechy noise and so i was like well maybe it's that and then i think mike you've shortly thereafter posted like yeah i think it's probably the break right yeah i think yeah because i think we ran into something like this with fifth ave in the shop too before we sent it yeah and yeah and that's where you had started too cody it's like it's probably the break (laughs) It's probably yeah. the brake. And I wrote it. I was like, I think it's the brake. And then I thought one of the noises was the brake. I thought I, I generally thought we had two problems. I thought we had the low problem sounded so dissimilar from the top problem that I was like, well, I think the top is the brake. And that's the first thing we're going to try and fix. The bottom noise, I don't know what it is. Like it is, it could be maybe a blown heavy rail bearing. Like the, if it was too kicked in, the small bearing that, not the big one, but the like for the, um, lateral load yeah because it's yeah. like there's like a big outer bearing that's like the radial bearing and there's like a little yeah. thrust bearing that's thrust bearing, yeah. yeah and i thought maybe it was one of those was blown or something but yeah it was funny his post was harry's post was very short and then i i think he went back to the hotel because it was probably like one or something maybe close to that by the time we had gotten back to the hotel because we were working nights uh, on the west coast uh and so i like spent my a little extra time trying to write up what we had done and like try to post videos on terrible uh internet at the hotel and then i slept right through my alarm because <laughs> i was supposed to join you guys in the morning to talk about it and that didn't happen and then so we got so we had morning meeting and like you said you weren't there because you're like fuck these guys and then the mm-hmm. and i was I had roped Breezy in at that point because we were also, I, I think, weren't we coming up on the weekend? It was a Friday. Yeah. So it was a Friday, and we were about to get walloped with the storm um, mm-hmm. out here. 
And so yeah. we had a big nor'easter coming. And it was like, airports are going to get shut down certainly tomorrow, but maybe tonight. And so if anyone's going to go help, they need to get on a plane now. And and I, and it was a little unclear because you're like, I don't know. Since you guys, because of your schedule, somebody here had to get on a plane before you'd had a chance to go take a whack at the break. Like everyone at that point agreed, it's probably the break. You guys were going to look at it. But we wouldn't know anything conclusive until it was past the point of no return about somebody getting on a plane. And then no, somebody's not going to be able to get there until like Monday. And so I was like, Breezy just, <laughs> which is kind of Breezy's gig. Just I come yeah. to him on Friday and I'm like, hey, I need you to fly across the country and go work on some machine that's misbehaving. Mm-hmm. And it's usually like Friday <laughs> afternoon too. Yeah. Right? I and mean, this was yeah. really ahead mm-hmm. of schedule because this was b- right was before lunch. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if he bitches about it, he, <laughs> he should, he got it better than normal. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he kitted up and like we ran around the shop and like collected things to put in the bag and like, anyway, and then he got on a plane and flew out to you guys to try to pitch in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it did turn out to be the break. It was less, uh, we had fought with, um, but it wasn't the parallelism thing, right? No, it wasn't. And it was very funny. I mean, Harry and I have different approaches on many things. Uh, he had started in the hole because there was a big hole that you could stand in to work on it, which was kind of nice because it was kind of like a car uh, mechanic shop. So you're just like standing in the hole waiting for, the, you know, we uh, we did have to like cut out some mod truss and like chalk the thing up so we could pull the pinion off so we could spin just to isolate between any of those other bearings and the drivetrain. Because that was one of the things we talked about at the morning meeting or shortly thereafter or whatever. It was like, I think you got to get it off the heavy, or you got to get it off the rack because like we got to figure out, is it about the vertical traveling that's causing the noise or just the rotation of the motor that's causing the noise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and then as soon as we did that, cut some holes in the tr- uh, the truss, pulled the pinion off and as we spun it the first round, it was all the noises all coming from just the drivetrain. We're like, Oh cool. Not on, not even just like under load. Like it is just <laughs> something is sad in there. Uh, and so Harry got in the hole. I started driving and um, learned some ecam, which was cool. Cause we had not been running it that whole time until it was like, someone's got to stand here and run this thing all day. And, uh, the folks there were like, oh, I don't want that to be me. Here, I'll teach you. <laughs> yeah, which is fair enough. <laughs> uh, which is fair. Uh, and um, yeah, Harry started off very like, let me add like point, like the smallest shims in, try to like add one at a time very, very methodically and then tighten everything and then run it and then add another one and on the other side and then run it and then break ball and retighten and that just kept giving different results but not better results um and so i think we did that for an hour and then we tagged in uh and at that point i was like this is definitely the problem (laughs) i don't know how to fix it at the moment something is wrong with the brake uh and just like had him start running it and i just like picked it up picked the brake up with all the bolts floated and just started like kicking it around just 
moving it around, um, which in the end got it to running well with just way too many goddamn shims because I was just like fucking shoving shims in it as much as I could <laughs> just try to like get it somewhere uh, to work. And uh, what it ended up being was that like I would fight it like as I started locking one bolt down, you would start to squeak at one point. So then I would like, you know, kind of pick it back up with my shoulder and throw another shim in and try and tighten another thing. And uh, half of that was right. What it really needed to be was picked up, but the shims were unimportant. <laughs> right. Since there was shims in it, it wasn't the bolts as much as you tightened them when you only had like one or two. It would just slide on the shims because they're very smooth and just settle back into it. Um, so we had two rapid, uh, very different approaches. Neither of them really ended up working. Uh, and then Breezy showed up midway through that day. And, uh, or no, maybe that took all day. And then he was there the next day. I think he was thing. there the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he didn't land until like, like 1030 that night or something. Yeah. 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 Um, cause we left that night with like an ass ton of shims in there and like it ran well a couple cycles, but then the next morning it had shifted and all was bad again. Oh. And so it just needed it fallen and needed right. to be, like you said, jacked back up, right? Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was just eccentric and just kind of like the weight of the brake had shifted it down and like you could, it was just kind of like landing on the spline of the hub. Um, and so, yeah, then the real professional showed up, Breezy, and he got in the hole and uh, tried some shimming. He pulled all the shims, tried some more shimming. Uh, and that didn't really do it. And then, uh, as we were standing around talking about it, like, what were you doing? How did you do it? And I was like, well, I picked it up <laughs> and then I shimmed it. And then like, it wait, worked. say that first part again. <laughs> yeah. And then like, what did Harry do? He's like, I just added shims. And I was like, cool. Fuck the shims. Just pick it up. <laughs> and that, that ended up being right. So. And you guys made like a little pusher bolt thing to jag it back up. Right, so that it wouldn't yeah. slide down again. Yeah, because it's just like the clearance clearance holes is ultimately like that's the kind of tolerance that you're talking about. Like that's how much it fell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not very much in physical space. It's also interesting too because the floor pocket is through holes. Yeah, um, and then like the spot line, it's tapped into uh, the cheek plate, yeah, so there's yeah. less tolerance for it to shift. So like we don't we haven't ran into that same thing on the spot line. We ran into the not parallel, but not the it falling. And then oddly, I haven't run into that in the floor pocket, but I guess we don't have that many floor pockets in the, out in the world either, but more than this thing. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, brakes. When you hear terrible yeah. noises, check your brakes. Right. <laughs> Start there. Start with brakes. Yeah. Don't listen to some guy walking by. <laughs> saying to check the multiple like, of the bearing. Yeah. I mean, I know you've been in that hole for four days, but I'm telling you. <laughs> Actively inside the lift. I'm like, I think it's the brake. He's like, definitely the bearing. <laughs> okay, sir. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think ultimately, I mean, all of those things aside, I mean, really, the thing went pretty well, minus obviously a little bit of tragedy there at the end, but it wasn't even a tragedy. I mean, it was just like a a tense couple of days, right? Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tense couple days. Uh, yeah. Once we eat that problem out, then then there was a controls problem, 
which seemed briefly like a mechanical problem, uh, which then I was very sad because that was also right before the end of the day, before it was supposed to be done. <laughs> I was like, wait, put a level on that thing. And uh, it had walked itself out of level. Um, and things that we had been fighting for like maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes or something. You're like, what? where's that noise coming from? Like, oh, no. It's two motors running the lift that when you would hit a limit, because we were to started testing limits and safe edge and all the things for the sign off. And um, it would in an east like in a fault state get itself out of level and then you'd have to like re-kick it back to level with like updating some positions and kind of like gaming the like group sync at the plc and then as it slowly started losing half millimeters and millimeters or whatever through the re-leveling process or not very dil diligent leveling it had walked its way almost almost an inch out of level between the two because they were using two drives, right? It wasn't the two motors yeah. on a single drive. Yeah, two VFDs with like a control level, like their VFD uh, level sync between the two of them. Which uh, sounded like it was pretty cool in some ways, and then also a little difficult in others. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it. Yeah, it was really cool, and I think the the thing that was missing, I think, was really on the eCam front, was just like a hey, I know you're supposed to be in a safe synced axis, but like, let me just for a second, just run one of them. It wouldn't let you do that. Um, so then the way of gaming that without like having to go get one of the tape folks to like unlock the axes to run them independent to try to get them level, you would like update one's position to like, you know, within the allowable uh, I think they had like 10 millimeters. They were allowed to get out of level before they would fault. So you would like split the difference between the two of them and then have to like take it away and add it back and like kind of gross uh, constant updating of positions as we were testing limits and things. Um, it was cool. Like you, if you enabled it and like we're at zero speed, it would just at the PLC level, like just like kick one up and like hit dead nuts on and like servo hold at zero. If you were like within that 10 millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. It would auto correct and get them level yeah. to each other. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's definitely cool. Yeah. Or even if, if their control system would have let you like just for a second, open up that 10 mil, be like, Oh yeah, we don't care right now. Go as far as you need to. Let's get in level and then relock it back down. But couldn't do that either. Yeah. I was going to say that like, all those things aside, the machine actually looks really cool. Like, we put up a little video of that on the Instagram. And yeah, stuff. didn't you get to use your new camera? Didn't you take some great video with that, Cody? I I did. I I took some cool videos of it uh, before it stopped working. Um, <laughs> well, and then I stopped taking as many videos when it wasn't working well. Right. Yeah, that is usually how that goes. Like, I'm going to stop. <laughs> fucking around with a camera and get yeah. to work on why this machine doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> From the outside opinion, it probably really looks like I think I've like nailed it and I'm victory lapping taking videos. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, the machine was actually pretty cool. And it and I know that like and I'm I'm on team like get rid of rack and pinion um and self-climbing platform, but they still look badass. <laughs> like mm -hmm. like in when you see him in the flesh and you're like, where's the motor? You're like, oh, it's inside the platform. It's right. just like nothing. It's a very clean, cool looking machine. But 
and yeah. the, with two of them and the double towers and stuff. It was like cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So. Sweet. All right. We're an hour in. Should we uh, move on to topic number two of six? <laughs> what do we talk about the stagehand? So we've been, uh, so Gareth and I have been going uh, back and forth with, uh, I think I can say it, with Schneider um, about using, instead of doing rolling our own, uh, so currently we roll our own motion controller card that uses the LM628 slash 629. And um, instead of doing something like that for the stage and next for the stage and we would use uh, PMD makes a motion control chip dedicated uh, IC. And so, so the, the thought is instead of using, you know, something we've, totally design ourselves is using more off the shelf parts that you can find from industrial automation companies like Schneider and using their motion controller in a PLC. And so, uh, I don't know, it's been months ago, a couple months ago that we, uh, started talking with them about what a possible solution would be. And, uh, we didn't initially, we were initially uh, excited to look at something else, but we didn't really think it was going to be a viable option just because of the experiences we've had previous. But uh, as of the last meeting we had, which was a week ago, two weeks ago, um, we're kind of now uh, stuck between what to do because we've discovered through this process with Schneider that their off-the-shelf PLC motion controller has all the features we want and then and it can do everything that we can currently do plus all the new features we want to add and then we're also stuck so we're stuck between you know being able to do that or do we roll our own board similar to how we do it now using the PMD motion controller and which can also do all of our things and you know, we never really knew previous to this that, or I guess we had thought that the PLC wasn't the right option because it couldn't do some of the things we would want. But after these conversations, they can, they actually went ahead and they did some demos for us where they showed off the, the specific things we were, we wanted to see, like the being able to decode TCP IP messages and, uh, the, the basic functionality of just being able to change the speed in the target position while it's running, that was up in the air whether the PLC could actually do it. But turns out it can do it and it can do, you know, split ACLD cell and S-curve profiling and all the other things. So we're kind of, at, so we've come to a point now where we are, uh, Uh, we have to make a decision whether we're going to go the PLC route, which we now know can do everything we want, or the PMD and develop it ourselves. And uh, it kind of comes down to just playing that numbers game, which is what makes the most sense. But it, I don't know. We thought it was going to be a slam dunk one way or the other, where we would know exactly, you know, oh yeah, and this is the right choice, but it turns out 
that's that's not the case yeah that, that's super interesting yeah because i think the last time we had really talked was before ed head out uh headed out to vegas mm-hmm. uh and at that moment the plc was still kind of the couldn't didn't think that it could do what we really wanted it to yeah and i um, think you were in vegas when we had the meeting where they showed it off mm-hmm. or I think so. And it was like, oh, wow, this is actually a viable option. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it How... was shocking. <laughs> yeah. So you said it does It does do the S-curve mm-hmm. motion profiles. Is that uh, asymmetric or still symmetrical? Mm, that I don't know. Oh, because like, that was one thing that we found out. Or With the PMD, we, yeah. Yeah, it, that, it, like, it, as we dug it, into yeah. it, you're like, oh, it kind of doesn't really have the S-curve. Yeah, but I, I was reading through all of that documentation um Mm -hmm. and one of the things is uh so they break up the s-curve profile into i want one two three four six or seven different segments and you can so the way they have it implemented pmd has s-curve profile implemented is that it's symmetric a cell and d cell but they have um, internal breakpoints, and then they break up the motion profile into like seven different segments. And so you could set a breakpoint. So once it hits segment three, which is, um, if you imagine what the graph of it looks like, the top S right before mm-hmm. constant motion. So you could set a breakpoint where once it hits segment three, you could then switch to regular trapezoidal while it's moving. And so you could oh. get a quote-unquote smooth start where it does an s-curve profile until constant speed then switches into constant speed and then you can change the d-cell to whatever you want but still uh but not 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 back to s correct correct yeah so you could get it to start smooth but not necessarily Mm -hmm. stop in the same manner right which i mean could be kind of I guess it isn't ideal, but like that's always feels like the smooth start is always like I've got a big heavy wagon and it really it's really jerky to get going like quickly. Yeah. And then if you can yeah. put like right now we currently can't put like a big long D cell on that afterwards, but we could just do a trapezoidal D cell yeah. so that doesn't like slam to a halt. Right. So I, so there are cool. options. It's just yeah. a matter of uh, we now know both things are capable of doing everything we wanted them to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's trying to play the, because, well, actually, so really the, I think uh, the most contentious part is is the HMI on the stagehand, is that screen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the it's simple. You press the encoder knob and you can change your IP address and you can see it on the screen and you can see, you know, what the IP address is, or if you're local jogging, the encoder counts, or the faults that are happening. And it's just a simple two-character, dis- or two-line character display. And that doesn't really exist in the industrial automation world. Everything is like, you know, right, a big HMI touchscreen thing. And yeah. so uh, trying to... So no matter what, I think we've come to the realization that uh, we're going to have to roll our own circuit board to do that if we go the PLC yeah, route. Way. And so that extra cost, does that still mean 
or does that extra cost push PLC into the doesn't financially make sense column? Mm. Yeah, I guess because it's also interesting too of just thinking about PLCs and things I know about them is just like that. Right now, we have a pretty awesome way to push firmware to the stagehand card. Mm-hmm. So actually, so this was the really exciting thing that we saw them demonstrate is it is literally just an FTP server. You can just upload new firmware to the PLC by oh, FTPing to really it. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Way better than the other options. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so part of the, you know, deciding what we're going to do for Vnext is I've been doing a bunch of um, R&D stuff here, and turns out it's it's really complicated to come up with an FTP server like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the thought we had here is, you know, we're going to do a, we could do it, we could try to do a similar thing using an ARM Cortex M3 processor. And uh, right. it's, it's not a trivial thing to do an FTP uh, server. Hosted like on an embedded. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah, Which I cool. never would have thought that was a thing. Or that was a difficult thing to do, but mm-hmm. then I tried to do it, and it was a little yeah. more difficult than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking down at the list of comparable uh, features, and it looks like one that stands out is absolute en- absolute encoders. Mm-hmm. It looks like that slightly edges towards PMD over PLC. I don't even. I don't think that's the case. So originally we weren't sure if the PMD chip was going to be able to do it, but then um, I emailed them and we got a representative, I don't know, an FAE or or a something, I don't know, a field applications engineer um, who had this great white paper on it. And it turns out it was pretty seemingly uh, pretty straightforward to do. But even with... So that was great for the for go, if we were to go that route. But on the PLC side, I think it's also similarly just as easy because it's, I don't know, you just slap on a different I.O. module to the PLC. Does, the note on the thing just says that on the expensive one. So is it a dramatic uh, shift in price and configuration to do absolute encoders? Yeah, so I think it's the, it's the 262, which is their high-end, Snyder's higher-end, uh PLC motion controller platform that uh that natively supports it and then if we were to do it with one of their more economic PLCs you know how does that look um whether the the mod whether there's a module or whether potentially if we switch to a different drive could the drive just take it in or or what but but yeah versus the embed if we developed it it would just be it could same chip but yeah, different yeah. implementation yeah mm. would still probably be a different would have to be a different you know variant it wouldn't i don't think it could be the same uh wouldn't be the generic stagehand it would still have to oh. be a special variant because it's going to require different circuitry and a slightly different programming to tell it to use that encoder, but. Yeah. But, uh, sorry, this is going to be too deep, but yeah, I guess going to if it ends up using the same IO points, they would have to be routed differently versus just like 
yeah on this stage and we jack in on these ones because it's routed over here or it's routed over here well but even but even no matter what it's going to be a different stage hand i think is yeah what we've come to um mm. that's interesting because whether it's the 262 which has it wired different or if it's the pmd with different uh literal different uh circuitry on it to be able to accept the mm. encoder Yeah, that's cool though. But yeah, so so I think you know all that to say is, we really thought we were going to be heading one way, and now we are back to there's kind of two options. Camps. Yeah, <laughs> and that uh that thing you posted up in Basecamp of the screen mm, with like mm -hmm. the four line was it? No, it was like uh like or, a I don't know what it was. Oh, uh, not a character display, but a just like an OLED graphic, graphic oh. yeah, where you could literally put anything on that. I just ended up splitting it up into like four lines. That, I will admit, I was like hot. I was in <laughs> Vegas, I think, when you put that. That looked up, really and cool. And I was like, yeah. I have so many cool ideas for that. Uh, I think like, I I got, I got was talking about it with Gareth here in the shop and like, all right, I don't just, this is just kind of proof of concept to show like you can change some things and like now I've proven it out and now it's on to Cody. He'll design what is this is actually going to look like. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was excited by that. That thing looked awesome. Yeah, which I think no matter what, I think we're gonna end up with on the stagehand Phoenix Type Twenty Twenty Two, where yeah. whether it's a PLC and we've still developed our own board for the HMI, or it's the PMD mm -hmm. version. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I gotta sometime. I don't know. We're kind of slammed right now, but. I'm excited to dig into it and see kind of I've fallen out. I've fallen out. So it'd be cool to jump back in and check yeah. out the yeah, stuff yeah. you guys have been working on. Um, the, the absolute encoders is interesting because the Tate folk, like, I don't know. It's always interesting talking to them because they've got like, you know, a completely different market and a completely different, like uh, mm -hmm. world of development they're dealing with. Uh, but like, you know, we're talking about like different ideas for things and like control solutions and stuff. And, you know, they're like all in on like safety rated, like safe encoders, mm -hmm. like absolute mm -hmm. encoders. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you're talking to the folks that are like pushing the industry uh, and like that bleeding edge of what's the newest, hottest thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, like talking about like cool encoding and like for turntables and things and like using mm -hmm. like absolute like barcode uh, tape and things like that. And you're like, you know, one of them was like, "Oh, why, why don't you guys just use that?" And you're like, "Well, <laughs> like, it's a cool I don't idea, know. but it's cool. It's four times as expensive, and we currently don't because it like spits it into absolute encoding, like encoder mm -hmm. signal mm -hmm. back out of its little module. Uh, or you can do SSI. You can do I don't know. well, and I think that's not TTL. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what our absolute encoding would be. Would be an SSI signal. Mm -hmm. Yeah." And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, we, we currently don't do absolute encoders. I was like, but I think we will soon. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. But I think that mostly sums up the whole stage envy next kind of a thing. Um, yeah. But I think uh, similar to our, the last uh, conversation we had on the podcast, uh, I think, Mike, didn't you do some, uh, Revolver tech support uh, <laughs> this last uh, 
Why do you have to be so cruel, Christian? I'm not. I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> I think you did some. It's true. I did, yeah. So ended up, um, I don't know, I think the same week that you and Gareth ended up running out of town for some tech support, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down to uh, to see my friends at the only theater, and they had a turntable that they were having some problems with. And it was a, it was a beast. It's a 36 foot diameter turntable and they were trying to run it with one revolver, which is like right on the bleeding edge, maybe just over what really should be done with a single revolver. Um, and, um, and I didn't really know the whole story. You know, I had taken some tech support calls a week or week, two weeks before on some challenges, but like nothing that seemed really crazy. And then I got a phone call. We got a call on Monday of I don't know last last Monday a week ago Monday and it was like hey so um what would it take to get somebody to come down I was like oh um I don't know when when do you need somebody to come down well, you know I mean today would be great <laughs> it's like oh god oh things are not great I see um so I ended up getting down there on Tuesday I guess on Tuesday afternoon Tuesday evening I got there for the dinner break and started taking a look at the turntable and it was uh like pretty immediate it, it wouldn't spin they couldn't get it to get rolling on its own um, once it started running it worked okay but they were still like they were having some like serious wheel slippage in the middle of the moves like not just at the beginning where they were having massive wheel slippage um and um, and that was like kind of telling, you know, if you're trying to spin your turntable and it's moving and you're still like, you know, it's slowing down enough that the wheel is slipping and you're losing friction, might be a sign that you got some problems. Um, so we kind of formulated a plan on Tuesday night, like what can we do to try and get this together? And I was like, well, the first thing we need to do is to get a second machine in hand and i think i had also gotten i think zap had pulled together a whole package a rental cable to get shipped out um so that we could connect up their stagehand pro and two for two revolvers off of the single off of the single controller um and i think we had figured out that uh roundhouse down there also they have a revolver a v2 as well and so you know they they stepped up and totally, you know, let them borrow that revolver. So on Wednesday morning, we started cutting the deck up to make space for the revolver to move the single revolver and, you know, get two of them across from each other. And it was like, okay, things are going okay. It was a lot of work and they were in the middle of tech. And so it was a little harried and a little panicky, you know, and getting things done. But we managed to get there, like, without pushing their afternoon rehearsal too far beyond the start of the, their start time. And um, and still, we're still running into problems getting the thing to start turning. It was really, really brutal. Um, a little later on, I guess at the dinner break, maybe, we kind of figured out as we started rolling things around, we started figuring out that they were broken casters underneath because the casters that they, that were on there are the, are the, are the everyday scene shop double Darnell casters. And they're really great until it's a super heavy load. And then they just started self-destructing under there. You know, it was a whole bunch of challenges. I think like 
the stage, it was wheels down, turntable, riding on the deck, and the deck wasn't level or wasn't, you know, super level. So it was kind of wavy and a little out of level. And, um, and that, that none of that was helping, you know, the whole, the whole situation. Um, they fortunately, they had an IGUS pivot, a slew ring in the middle. Um, but as we learned, I think a couple, I don't know, a couple of years ago, where we bumped into those, the IGUS pivots are really great, except they can be like, they can twist a little bit and torque. And so if, you know, if your floor is not level or if your turntable and your deck are, uh, you know, not parallel to each other, you can bolt those things down and end up in a place where you're actually, you know, bending the bearing a little bit because it's aluminum and plastic. And so then, then it doesn't spin so great. So you have to be a little careful there. And, you know, so I think they just had like so many challenges that we couldn't even get to the end of like, what was the challenge? You know, like, what, how can we get there to get this thing to run? Um, ended up, I mean, busted casters. We ended up because they were up, running wheels down to wheels right? down. Yeah. So like, they were so we had busted casters that were wheels down and no no direct way when we arrived when I arrived to get up underneath there to replace some casters. Um, so the crew who were who were kicking ass and taking names with doing all of this, all this work to move machines around, rerun cables, ended up cutting holes in the bottom of the apron fills so that they could get up underneath the turntable and start replacing wheels that they could reach that were broken. Um, with the two, and then, and let's see, and then uh, I think I, I think I posted a picture of this on Basecamp. We decided to like, I was like, oh, it's time to like, why don't we just start with new, fresh new drive wheels on both these revolvers? And we start trying to pull the wheels off and one of them was just fucking jammed on there. I mean, like no, no love for it. And it was coming to like, you know, this should take like, I don't know, 10 minutes to pull the wheel off, put a new one on, retention and start driving the turntable. We were like 25 minutes into it and had moved the thing, I don't know, like a half an inch up the shaft. It was like, all right, we're just going to call that for tonight and tomorrow morning come in and we'll figure out how to get this thing off. Ended up having to build a wheel puller out of some channel and bolts and clamps and shit because the thing was just was just jammed on there. And I think it turned out that when they re they had replaced the wheel and it was a little tough to get on when they replaced it. And so, you know, they put it on with a mallet and I think it was a little difficult to put on because there was a burr on there and that didn't help. And so and then it was on at least. Um, so we got that off, we fixed the, you know, we sanded down, filed down the burrs that were there replaced both the drive wheels on both the revolvers and was like, okay, this is cool. Tried to run a queue and stalled out and faulted out the drive. So we were, we were spinning out the wheels before, but as it turns out, like we couldn't even get the thing to start spinning without faulting out the drive. Once we got it running, things seemed to be doing like reasonably okay. Well, and, and also... Sorry, but yeah. didn't you have to help it start? Like, didn't you have to help push start it to get yeah, it to so, start going? Yeah, so like the first moves, we had to push start and get it moving. And then once it was, once we got it rolling, 
it was we could run a queue um and also i think on wednesday i learned that they hadn't actually written a show file yet they had a they had a file with the you know they had a file with a couple cues but no like show cues so we got you know it was it was a they were they were i think you know pretty beat up on trying to get the show in it was a monster big musical and i think you know it's uh it seemed like it was a a pre-pandemic show and and then it got you know then it got postponed and postponed again and then they finally were like we're doing it and yeah um so even in the end we like we we left there and i was like i you know short of replacing the casters like all of the casters which we were, you know, which wasn't in the books. It wasn't in the, it wasn't in the cards to get done. Short of that, the way to get the thing rolling is really to, they added some, they added some push bars basically um, around the turntable to get it, to have the crew help get it push started. And once it started rolling, it was fine, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't super. Um, also in all of the challenges and like the weight and the, the flattened casters, which is really probably why it wasn't starting because those casters were a little insufficient for the load. Um, the, um, we had to run it with a board on position error turned off. We just couldn't get it to, we couldn't get it to run a queue. Um, and that was really a bummer too, but, um, but man, <laughs> it was, it is like the season of the turntable and I don't like it. Well, and then, so also during the product summit, we had talked about, I think Gareth proposed, you know, building turntables. Yeah. Um, But I don't think, and then we ultimately decided during that, I think that it wasn't, you know, we weren't going to be great at making a turntable, that we would only do the the center pivot. And um, I think the center pivot, right, was the thing we were going to make. Yeah. uh, but I don't think that would have helped us in this situation, right? Um, I don't think so. Although I think, you know, if we had a an idea of a design, right? Like some guidance of a design um, to include and some, you know, better casters. I mean, this is the second, this is the second turntable of like roughly this size with roughly this load on it in the last four months that has had similar problems. And, um, you know, and I think it's, I think we get into this moment of like, well, we can do this turntable, right? Like every, every shop is like, yeah, we can totally do it. It's scenery. It's just great. We'll do it. We got, we got this shelf full of casters. We're like, nah, those casters are great for like a pallet with, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple hundred pounds on it, not a turntable that's got, you know, many thousand pounds worth of scenery on it. And running yeah. wheels down on an unleveled deck, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, even wheels up, huh. they're still like, you know, if the casters are insufficient, they're going to flatten out while the right. while the turntable sits, and then you can't get past it. I was reading through your, your notes for the outline and saw the, like, double Darnell's call out, and I got, like, a shiver. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I haven't thought of those casters in a long time. <laughs> I mean, you know, as right, like... I, in the discussions, it's like, you know, in both these, in both these turntable cases where I tried to help with this path, it's like, 
the the TDs were kind of up against it. You know, they were like, oh, we have all these casters and, you know, and we can use these casters. And in both cases, they had made successfully done turntables in the past. They were just much smaller. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, a 20 foot turntable with not nearly as much scenery or not as, you know, not as many cast members or, you know, none of the, none of the same challenges. Right. Um, or the, none of the same specs. So yeah. for anybody listening out there, as much as I don't want to talk about turntables, if you think you're going to build one, please just give us a call first. Yeah. We'd love to help. <clears throat> yeah. I thought, uh, I thought it was super interesting talking about the Igus pivot because we're currently designing a center for a turntable. Right. And we briefly looked at the Igus products and kind of decided like, well, you know, technically it's rated for the load, but you put for a 30 foot turntable, a 15 foot lever potentially on an uneven floor or uneven load. And all of a sudden yeah. now it's getting out of wonk and getting out of thing. You're like, we should just plan to go more Soviet, like just yeah. go for a steel. They're more expensive. <laughs> go big or go home, man. <laughs> like they're just gonna, you know, no one's ever been sad that their center for their turntable was too stout, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, well, nobody who's ever, you know, run a turntable that hasn't had a problem with the center, right? Like right. that's the be like, man, I don't know, man. When in doubt, make it stout. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so is it interesting? I mean, is it, you know, I mean, we we've used the, I guess, ones plenty in the past and they're really great for the price and for what they do. But I think we just get into these, like, you get into these larger, these larger pieces and things can go pear shaped real fast, mm -hmm. yeah. real fast. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Do you want to hit this last thing or wrap it up? Maybe talk about, uh, USITT. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sounds good. Yeah. Cause that's coming up here, right? End of the month question mark. Beginning of March. Yeah. Beginning of March. Beginning of March. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to be at, we're going to be at USITT this year and we're pretty excited about it. Um, and we got a nice booth. We got a little, you know, it's a nice, it's a good, it's a good, a 10 by 20 booth and Pete's been kicking ass and taking names, making designs and getting things done for it. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, we're also this year at USITT doing, um, we're, we're taking part in four sessions, um, over this, which is kind of, which is going to be awesome. I think. What sessions, um, what ones are we talking about? Well, so there's, uh, so the first, so there's two of them where, that we're doing, um, two of them that we're doing with, um, Baltimore center stage. And so first one is move your show like Baltimore center stage. And it's really kind of, a, um, it's really kind of, a, a like how to things to consider when we're doing automation, right? Like what happens, um, what, you know, what's the process considerations, budget, finance, you know, labor time and the schedule and all that stuff. Um, and also taking a look at like what is involved in putting a, putting automation on stage. Um, another one is uh, also with Baltimore Center Stage on, I guess that first one's on Thursday morning. And the second one is Know Your Limits, 
and that's also with Baltimore Center Stage on Friday morning. It's all about talking about limits and setting limits and trying to kind of take away some of the mystery of specifically rotary limits. Um, so, you know, I think that's going to be kind of cool and a lot, hopefully a lot of fun. Um, if you're around, you should join us. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then we're also, we're also taking part in one about turntable machines. So more turntables there for you, Mike, right? Turntables. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. and it, yep. And I'm going to be there. It's going to be great. Um, the, um, this is, uh, there's actually two sessions. We're only taking, I think we're only part of the turntable machines one, but there's one about building a turntable and then one about turntable machines. And there's, um, four of us on it and we're going to talk about, you know, different methods, the pros and cons of each way and all those things. Um, and then last but not least, um, our own Nicole and Sylvia are doing, uh, are doing an entire uh, doing an entire seminar on the trainee and limit switches. And it's going to be pretty, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it's going to be cool. Definitely want to check that one out. So, yeah. And you know, you should definitely stop by our booth. Say hi, if you're yeah. in, if you're going to be in Baltimore. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap it up. Uh, that's good night for me. Sounds good. See ya. Thanks, everybody.